This is StoryBeat, storytellers on storytelling. An exploration into how master storytellers and artists develop and build brilliant stories and works of art that people everywhere love and admire. So join us as we discover how talented creators of all kinds find success in the worlds of imagination and entertainment. Here now is your host, Steve Cuton. Thanks for joining us on StoryBeat. We're coming to you from the Center for Media Innovation on the campus of Point Park University in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. If you like this podcast, please take a moment to give us a rating or review on whatever app or platform you're listening to. Your support helps us bring more great StoryBeat episodes to you. Well, my guest today, singer Marie Ann Maringolo, has been called the miracle at Feinstein's and has been compared to both a young Barbara Streisand and Linda Etter. She's a Mac award-winning recording artist, as well as a backstage bistro award winner for Outstanding Vocalist, receiving rave reviews for her powerful interpretations of songs written by the legendary team of Alan and Marilyn Bergman. The Wall Street Journal noted of her tribute show to the Bergmans, Ms. Maringolo's powerhouse interpretation makes full use of the dramatic Bergman lyric. And her current CD, Between Yesterday and Tomorrow, The Songs of Alan and Marilyn Bergman, is garnering great reviews around the world. Marie-Anne can also be heard on her critically acclaimed debut album, Hold Me Close, and her second album, Imagine If We Only Had Love, which won a Backstage Bistro Award and Mac Award for Outstanding CD and Recording of the Year. You can catch Marie-Anne live performing on concert stages around the U.S. and internationally and as a headliner on prestigious cruise lines such as Oceania, Regent Seven Seas, and Princess. So I'm, I'm truly delighted to welcome the brilliant vocalist Marie-Anne Maringolo to StoryBeat today. Marie-Anne, welcome to the show. Oh, wow, Steve. Thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. Oh, well, happy to be here. it's well-deserved. Um, so you have been performing for a while now. You're not uh, totally new at this thing. When did all this begin? Go back in time and tell us how this all started for you. Well, I grew up on Long Island, New York. Yeah. And um, as far as I can remember, I was always singing since a little kid. And it wasn't until, I guess, high school... Uh, when I was in the choir and the shows, the talent shows, I, I knew that I wanted to sing professionally and I wanted to really pursue a singing career. So ever since then, um, right after high school, I started coming into the city, uh, doing classes uh, at HB Studios and uh, start, started um, entering a singing contests in the city. Uh, so that's where it kind of got started. And and actually, even before that, before I started coming into the city, there was a community theater where I grew up in Long Island in Port Jefferson. Uh, and I started out as a, a theater apprentice, and then I started getting roles in their shows. And they had a smaller stage, as, uh, along with their their uh, main stage, they had a smaller stage, kind of like a cabaret setting. Right. And that was my first taste in that world of an intimate audience, and yeah. I really loved seeing the audience faces and their reactions and I think that's where uh, the bug bit me back way back then how, how, how old were you then uh, when I I was around 16 I started going to their open mics and um, and then I was cast in one of their productions 
17. So, yeah, so you, uh, you, were, you were a kid. I mean, you were trying to figure yeah. it out. Yeah. But you've been mm-hmm. singing since you were a little person, yeah? I was. I, I, um, I remember seeing my third grade report card uh, that my singing, uh, the, the uh, singing teacher wrote in, and she's like, Marianne has a beautiful voice. We should encourage this. So mm-hmm. uh, it's since then that uh, I was just naturally singing. I think it's, uh, you know, it's something that you've always wanted to do. Nobody forced it on you. That's the point. It, yes, exactly. You just, it just did it. It was a natural thing that uh, was a desire that was born in me, I believe. So so who were your earliest um, inspirations or influences? Who did you listen to? Who did you think, wow, I want to be like that? Well, the first person that comes to mind is Barbara Streisand. Mm-hmm. I remember listening to her albums and um, my dad was also a, a big music fan so he introduced music into the house always playing different albums and uh, one of the first actually albums um, he had this uh, the butterfly album the barbara streisand butterfly sure album. and i one of my favorites i remember grandma's hands on that album and well, i believe it wasn't long after that that i saw funny girls and moody and just you know loved her and it's since since yeah since then so she was my earliest influence i'd say but i also listened to i loved early bet midler and i actually loved early donna summer albums and um johnny mathis was playing in our household and frank sinatra mm-hmm. so all just that great music of rosemary clooney I loved all those Italian songs that she did. They were a lot of fun. So I've, I've, I've uh, had the joy of listening to a little bit of your singing online. I've, I've checked you out. And I can hear all of those influences in your voice. That You have, a, you have that same kind of mellifluous, buttery quality to your voice that all those singers you just mentioned have. Wow, thank you. Uh, well, that's, um, that's quite a compliment. I really appreciate it. Well, that's uh, it's it's there. It's it's kind of obvious. It's uh, all you got to do is listen a little bit, you know. Um, so did you did you then have any kind of formal training? I didn't have form formal training, uh, but I was always in the the choir uh, since in school. So, but it wasn't until I was around fourteen that we had a choir teacher in uh, ninth grade. For me, high school was ninth through twelfth, mm-hmm. and uh, my the choir teacher there taught us how to breathe and to uh, be, you know, supported by the diaphragm. So, and that all just came natural to me to, 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 uh, to sing that way. So, uh, so, so you reinforced it for me. You've never, uh, then you've never really gone into training on any of this. You're sort of a little bit self-trained or you self perpetuate yourself. Yeah, yeah. I'm self-trained and it's, for me, it worked by listening, I guess, you know, the artists I, I mentioned and, and I loved the sound that I was hearing, so I wanted to be able to create that and, and just that warm, buttery sound, you know. And um, I believe, I, you know, it, it just came from me naturally that way. Well, then you, then but I did work at it. I guess I worked at it on my own without formal training. You, you clearly have um, the gift of a great ear aside from your voice, which is amazing, but, but you clearly have a good ear as well. Nobody's telling you, hey, you're missing, you're off pitch or any of that. You're just doing it. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think that's your, you know, that that's not something that one can um, go acquire. You you have that or you don't. It can be developed, but you can't go get it, right? That's true. That's true. You can't yeah. you can't so go. I do down. feel I do feel blessed to have that. <laughs> well, yeah, and and rightly so. Um, 
you, you can't go down to the good voice store and, and, and buy one. You just have to have it and then develop it. Um, so, so for many, uh, music is a calling. I'm guessing it's a, like a calling for you, yeah? Oh, definitely. I can't not do it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, yeah, it's just part of who I am. Um, I'll, I'm the happiest when I'm, when I'm performing. It's, it's an incredible high after a show. Mm-hmm. The, the putting it together, um, the actual uh, performing is just, it's really hard to describe what it is, but it's definitely a draw and um, a passion that is just in me. It's the air you breathe, as they say. Yes, exactly. Uh, um, so when you're giving live performances, because you specialize in live performances, w- what are the biggest challenges for you, either pre-show or during the show? What are your biggest challenges, and how do you overcome them? Uh, I'd say be- before I get on the stage, my biggest challenges are my nerves. Mm-hmm. I, um, to this day, I'm still, I, I get nervous. And how do you deal so with it? I, I deal with it... Um, by grounding myself, you know, I, I will say this, I, because it may be, um, I don't know if it's controversial or not, but I read about it years ago, which gave me the courage to try it. I do take uh, a beta blocker before I get on the stage. It's called propranolol. Okay. Um, uh, and I was afraid to try it. What happened to me years ago is I was, you know, getting busier with my schedule. I would get on, I'd wanted, it was my greatest desire to do it i get on stage and all of a sudden i wasn't i was so nervous i was letting that get in the way of me communicating with my audience sure putting putting across a song like i wanted to do it and and i'm like well why am i even doing this if i get so nervous that i can't even perform the way i want to right so um i had read about it in the new york times that um string players from juilliard were taking it because it stopped their fingers from shaking. Huh. Um, I would get I would get on stage and my lip would just start quivering, um, and I felt like my voice quivered too. So and then I had heard that Barbara Streisand took it. So uh-huh. I thought, okay, if Barbara can take it. I'm going to try it. And the thing that I was afraid of is I didn't want it to change my personality. I didn't want it to take away anything. Uh, you know, I like to be funny on stage. I like to talk with the audience and and have an exciting personality um so i didn't want to dull any of that mm-hmm. so but i was i was willing to try it and i thought well let's just do it and i did and it took the edge off and mm-hmm. i was i was like wow this is incredible and i think since then i was really just able to um to know i have that to to not let the nerves get in the way to block anything that I'm doing. So um, definitely that's a big help. Uh, and aside, the nerves are still there. It just takes it down a notch sure. where I can, um, you know, can get on the stage. And uh, But I also do, aside from that, I still need to kind of, you know, have a little um, mantra and uh, just um, uh, I do kind of like a, a little meditation before I get on the stage and I visualize exactly, you know, going out there and, that kind of thing. So, Is, do you, all do you, of that together. Do you have a Do you have a regular ritual with your voice before you go on? Do you warm it up in a certain way? I, I do some warm ups. Yeah, I do some warm ups. Just light vo- vocalizing. Um, sometimes, though, before, like when I'm traveling and I'm meeting with musicians um, for the first time, and we need to review the show, whether it's uh, at a venue out of town or on a cruise ship. Usually, I'm meeting with them you know, hours before the performance mm-hmm. that night. Right. So, um, 
that sometimes that becomes my warm up for my voice, just running through the show with the musicians. Um, and I have little little things I do, just little light vocalizing, um, and I try not to talk too much that day on right. the show either. And and have you ever had the experience of where you had to talk that day and you then went on and was there an issue with that? There are times when I was uh, if I had a had a day job and I had to work that day mm-hmm. and then go on stage later that night. It didn't feel uh, I, I didn't like that because I feel like my nerves were were tensing up everything, right. knowing I had a performance work. So um, yeah, so in in that instance. I would say it's best to just not talk. So, so this is very good. This is very good information for the listeners out there that deal with their nerves. I, I look. I have some nerves every once in a while too. And you talk about Barbara Streisand. She notoriously has terrible stage fright. So mm-hmm. that, that's not unusual. The, the as I understand it, the number one, uh, the number one thing that people go to psychologists for is being in front of people, and. Uh, mm-hmm. And so that's what that's what you're talking about is the idea of being in front of people and performing, and uh, and so I, I you know wasn't trying to press you on that too hard. I think it's just good information for the listeners who may themselves have those issues. How do you deal with it? You know, um, when you're so, oh, yeah, yeah for sure. Um, so when you're thinking about your show, let, let's we'll talk about the Bergmans in a minute because that's a very specific mm-hmm. thing, but. When you're doing shows that that maybe partly the Bergmans, but isn't all about the Bergmans, um, what do you do to select material? Do you do you have a certain audience in mind, or how do you select material? The way I've selected material in the past is a thought will come to me. I, I think about well, what do I want to put out there? And I remember one of my first um, shows that was more of a themed show. Uh, was when I did a tribute to Johnny Mathis. Right. And um, and I just he was my favorite male singer growing up, so that inspired me. Um, I, I just got the hit like, oh, just do Johnny Mathis medley. So I mean, a Johnny Mathis uh, tribute. Right. Um, so that's how that was born, and just getting an idea. I get a, um, uh, my here's I do a show called Here's to the Ladies, and it's I guess it's basically. I, I want to perform, and I'm, I'm like, okay, well, what can I do? What material um, will make sense for me? So it's usually because it, I have a passion about it, uh, either about the singer. So Johnny Mathis, for me, it was great because I could sing his songs and then talk in between of how much it meant to me, and, and that also created the patter for uh, to make it um, to make it a show, not just a whole bunch of songs on stage. And my um, here's to the ladies show the same thing. It's um, Is that Sondheim songs that meant meant something to me, and then can tell a story about why. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it's not always that I tell a story of why I'm singing a song, but sometimes it helps, or you know, you have something to say about it. That you know what the inspiration was. So, so the, the so in other words, you try to put your shows together with some kind of um, uh, spine to it, some kind of. Um, a way that it tells maybe a, a larger story, yeah. Exactly, yeah. I do like my shows to have a, a you know a, a beginning, a middle, and an end. Um, so it is telling a story. That's helpful. I do like theme theme shows, yeah. I, I I think it helps the audience to to feel their way through it because we naturally know what a, what a story feels like, and even if you're not telling a specific story, which you can do, but even if you're not, it's good to have that beginning, middle, and end to it. 
I think it, it helps yeah. it helps the audience to sink in and enjoy the show more. Um, here, here's, exactly. I assume here's to the ladies is is Sondheim, right? No, no, actually it's not. I call it here's to the ladies a salute to great ladies in song. Mm. So they tell, celebrate artists such as uh, uh, Peggy Lee, Rosemary Clooney, Barbara Streisand, Judy Garland. I do oh, wow. a Warwick medley. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, I, I great ladies and yeah. I'll 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 go back I, I to. Think, I think you're thinking here's to the ladies who lunch, right? Yes, that's what I was thinking. Sometimes. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, that's what I was thinking about. I think that's from Company, if I remember it right. Um, yeah. Uh, I I want to go back to Johnny Mathis for just half a second because I just wanted to say how cool it is. I've had a song that I've written to have him cover it. That's that's oh a pretty God. neat. He covered thing. a song you wrote. Yes, he covered a uh, um, a, a song called um, "Once Upon a Dream" from Jekyll and Hyde, which I wrote. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. That's yeah. wonderful. Yeah, so that was a, that's a very cool thing to, to hear him sing your stuff. That's pretty cool. Um, that must, uh, last, uh, once upon a dream, I'd say that's a dream come true. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations thank, on that one. Thank wow. you. Thank you. Fantastic. Um, what do you do to bring inspiration both to the songs that you're singing and to your technique? Mm-hmm. Well... I bring myself into the song, um, not necessarily, I don't feel like I'm a character per se in the song. When I'm singing a lyric, whether it's happened to me or not, if it's happened to me, then I put myself right there and I'm singing it um, as if it's happening for the first time. Mm-hmm. And then if it hasn't happened to me and I'm singing a lyric, I could. there are times when I could imagine if that, if I were telling a story and I and putting myself as if it has happened or if it's going to happen. Um, I did that a lot with the Bergman music, mm-hmm. with their lyrics. Um, I know you haven't asked any questions about well, the Bergmans well, yet. But sure, we, we can talk about them. When... <laughs> we'll talk about them. So the, 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 the Bergmans, I am curious, um, in the intro, I, I said the, that there's a use of the dramatic Bergman lyric. What in your mind, is a Bergman lyric? What separates it? What makes it so? With the Bergman lyric, the reason I'm drawn to them so much is because every time I sing one of their songs, it's, it is like I'm living it for the first time. Mm. It's, they have a way of writing where it is conversational. It feels like you, it's just coming right off the tip of your tongue. It's, it's, it's like a conversation. So it feels fresh every single time. And uh, to me, that's what keeps it so exciting for me. Um, and I find that I've, I, although, you know, the songs have arrangements uh, and I sing within that arrangement, the way my phrasing may be just a little different um, each time just because of the way it's coming across in that moment. So that's what makes it really special for me. Do you, do you think that they write in a particularly visual way or how do they, what is it? I mean, or maybe you can't put your finger on it, which is also okay because sometimes art is not easy to define in any way. But, um, I think that they you write, know, I think they write in a pretty particularly visual way and you, you get a I think story. Right. It's very cinematic. Um, I feel it is visual and I feel like the audience can, is visualizing when I'm performing their songs, I feel like the audience is visualizing it with me. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of songs um, that we mash up together to, to make the story even bigger 
uh, or a different, maybe different intention of what it was written for. But when you put two of the songs together, it tells a, uh, the deeper story that I wanted to tell. Right. And I don't do a lot of um, necessarily necessary talking uh, within this particular Bergman show because I let the the music speak for itself and tell the story. And it it's just unbelievable how I feel the audience is just taking that ride with me. It's pretty pretty special. Have you had the opportunity to have them come to a show? No, not yet. But <laughs> um, I'm going to be in the, in L.A. Right. at uh, Feinstein's at Vitillo's on March 30th. Right. And um, I'm hoping Alan will be able to be there. Uh, I'm not sure Marilyn would, would be able to come. Um, I kind of heard that, um, that that might be a possibility. So that would be um, an incredible dream come well, true. Well, you you, you would be entitled to be a little bit nervous that night. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know. Just a little. Just a little. But that's but that's a good thing. That should be a fun thing. If you can turn it into a fun thing, I think you'll have a great time with it. Because oh, yeah. I'll guarantee yeah. you that they'll be very generous one way or another, you know. Um, that's they're, I, I don't know them personally, but I've certainly heard lots of stories about them. And they're known as, as some of the greatest people in show business. So... Um, yeah, I, you know, that's a that's, that's a that's a good thing. They did write to me, and I do have a a note from them. I framed it um, when they knew I was uh, putting to uh, when I had this CD release concert, and I invited them to it. And they said if they were in New York, they would have been here. Mm. And uh, they were, you know, I feel like I got their blessing, which was so special. Well, that is that's a isn't that wonderful when that happens, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, are among all the songs that you sing, and not, it could be theirs, it could be some other songs. Do you have any that are a particular favorite that you just can't wait to get to every time, or are they just all your babies? They, you know, the Bergman Show. It's just one big like Christmas present. It really is. It's every single. I get through one, and I'm like, oh, I get to do this now, and I get to do this now. So yeah, the Bergman Show is um, pretty pretty spectacular as far as that goes for me um uh, who, who, and, uh, you know what uh, if i had to pick one you know one of my favorites mm-hmm. that i just love telling the story on my way to you is just such a a beautiful message about having no regrets in life and um whether it's on to finding your perfect partner or just um any opportunity in life but um just knowing that we're perfect right where we are mm. and i love giving that message in in the show and and every time you sing it you say that you're sort of singing it new for the first time that means you're you're being in the moment with it how how often when you're singing are you surprised by what comes out like this is this is not what you were expecting to have happen that night well i wouldn't say i'd I'd be i'm not surprised Mm -hmm. but i'm i'm more of a it's a delight it's more of um interesting um that i'm feeling this at the moment or um yeah i mean just kind of like like you and i having this conversation right now right um, it's happening like that it's kind of just being able to just okay be the vessel i just let myself be the vessel of what's going to come out next you know do you so this is interesting to me because a lot of creative people a lot of scientists people that are creative uh let alone artists um, say of their work or of what they do that they are not causing it to happen. It's it's coming through them, that they are the vessel for it. And so they'll use terms like it comes as a bolt out of the blue or, um, you know, it, 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 it came out of nowhere. They'll say things like that or it 
you know, I'm just, it's just, I'm a conduit and it's coming through me. Do you feel that way when you're singing, that you're just the conduit to have it come out in the way that it comes out? Yeah, I mean, there are times when that is definitely the case. When I get out of, when I get out of my way, you know, <laughs> I am, you know, being a human being, it's like that is the ultimate goal mm-hmm. to let that happen every single time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are times when I am singing, if I am nervous, um, I'm like, sometimes it's like, I'm singing one lyric, but I'm like, okay, what's what's the next lyric? Or it's coming, I hear it in my head before it comes out. So those are the times where I'm like, oh, why is that happening? You know, (laughs) instead of, and and the times when I'm just the vessel and just letting it flow through me, those are the the most amazing times that I I just feel like such a high uh, to to let that happen. So that's an... ultimate goal. That's analogous to what many actors talk about. It's the same thing where actors talk about that thing about being in the moment and so that they're not really, they don't feel like they're acting at that moment. They are being. And I think that's sort of what you're saying with the singing. You're just being as a singer. Mm Exactly. There's no force to it. Just being and trusting. It's, you know, it's kind of like let go and let God, you know, Mm. let it, let it just come through. And, Mm -hmm. um, And that is my ultimate belief. So All right, so so, so clearly you do a lot of live performance, but you've also recorded a few things. And so I'm mm-hmm. wondering, in terms of over time, if you can share, if you have anything to share about the, what you've learned in live performance that you've then taken in and used in the studio. Is there anything? I guess when I'm performing live, there's a freshness that an excitement because you are performing off of a, a live audience. Right. So when you're in a studio, you don't, don't have that so it's more about creating creating that energy um and actually the last album that i did was a live album and i haven't done a studio album in a while but it is about i find my best performances are when you can do a full take within the studio Mm -hmm. because otherwise you are overthinking things and you're not letting it uh be natural um so in that sense, I, I prefer a live recording over a studio recording. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, and one of my favorite, uh, you know, times has been in a recording studio. I mean, hours could go by, and it's just uh, just an incredible feeling. But I would say, you know, just to um, you know, just to keep it fresh and to not overthink it, and um, you know, it feels more technical in the studio because you're wanting you, you have the headphones on and, and you're wanting the sound to be right and. Um, and the blend of the um, the other musicians. So um, yeah, it's it's a little more complicated, I'd say, within the, within a studio. And then you're concerned about the time and the money you're paying, you know, for studio time. So all that plays into it. Well, you, you see, I'm sure you've seen uh, uh, clips of uh, Barbara Streisand singing with a full orchestra in the studio, and that's how she does it. She doesn't record it to tracks either. So, yeah, yep. yeah, and that's my favorite way to record. Not that I've had the opportunity to do it with a full orchestra, but that that's definitely a goal. Sure, it's, <laughs> and, and and so did that that guy who could sing a little, Mr. Sinatra. He was always in front of an orchestra. So yeah, yeah. So when I wanted to start getting into the studio, I just thought, you know, I want to do it live because that's even that everyone playing, even though we're in our own um, isolated booths and stuff, you know, I want it, I don't like just doing takes, and it, to me, that doesn't doesn't feel good, and it doesn't feel authentic. You know? so, so, you, so you probably then think of yourself much more as a live performer than a recording artist, I assume. Yeah, I would say so. Um, and, yeah, and, ain't, I, and there ain't nothing yeah. wrong with that, you know, I mean, there's, uh, 
you, it doesn't, you don't have to be a recording artist in order to be uh, a, a good working professional singer, that's for sure. Um, uh, mm -hmm. uh, though obviously it helps to expand your world somewhat if you have those records, which you do. So it's yeah. it's good to get that out in the world like that. Um, uh, what would you say is your favorite thing about performing in front of a live audience? What's the best part of it? The best part is really the the energy um, that's created between uh, me and the audience. I'd say that's that's the most exciting part uh, performing live. Because I could I could be in my living room singing live, you know, and uh, or rehearsing, and it's still a live performance. But it's not until I'm there with an audience that it's I'm excited to see them. They're excited to see me, and um, something beautiful gets created out of that energy. Right. So um, I, it feeds me. It really does. So, so that's uh, so I'm going to ask you a question. I ask lots of different artists, and it's not an easy question to answer. And that is simply this. For you, what makes a good song good? Can you put your finger on what makes something good? When the when you are singing it, coming from your heart, coming from truth, um, because uh, people in the audience can feel that too. So when you're connecting to what you're singing, people feel that. Mm -hmm. um, I feel it as the singer, and, I, and when I'm seeing someone else sing, um, to me I'm most affected when... I can really feel um, the authenticity and the honesty uh, coming from the artist. What, what, uh, that's what I like to portray, yeah. What do you hear out in the world today that uh, you think to yourself, huh, I haven't, I've never sung that, I would really like to. Is there anything out there right now? Do you listen to folks like Michael Buble? Who do you listen to? I used to listen to him more, mm -hmm. not so much listening to him these days. I've been listening to Linda Ronstadt again recently. Huh. You know, she has the... Um, the new documentary come out about right. her health and her career. Right. Have you seen it? I have not, but I saw the Kennedy Center Awards, and that they okay. alluded to it. So at some point, I will check it well, out. Yeah, I was really blown away by her as an artist and her career, and uh, I just feel so sad that um, Parkinson's has taken her voice. Um, but to listen to those old um, recordings of her and... Uh, I would like to explore some Linda Ronstadt, I think. Huh. Well, um, you know, that, yeah, that yeah. when you look at that particular career, that is a big, wide, rangy career. She was, she was, had big range. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she yeah. could, she could sing pretty much anything. She could sing anything. And that, that blew me away. Um, yeah. So what an impressive career. What an impressive voice. And, um, yeah, pretty pretty special to see that and uh, again i just feel so sad for her yes i i agree it's it must be really difficult to be in her shoes although she seems to handle it with great grace and so there's something yeah. about that mm -hmm. you know um yeah uh, so uh um describe your day as a singer when you're getting ready to perform Describe your day. So what do you do? I know we've talked about preparation prior to going on stage, but I know you don't talk a lot, but are you thinking your way through things or are you trying to not think about it? You know, I usually, I, I run the show in my head. I run the songs in my head. Um, I'm not talking to any, I'm not having conversations on the phone with anyone. Mm -hmm. I'm just in, I like to be left alone. Um, just kind of in, in my zone. And, um, 
I'll actually, I need to, uh, I take a nap in, in the afternoon. Right. And as I'm falling asleep, I'll, I'm running the whole show in my head. Um, yeah, it's just quiet time. It's quiet time for me. It's just getting grounded into the knowing I have a performance that night. Um, sometimes it's, you know, preparing if I have to get my nails done, that type of thing. Right. Um, but I leave time to just, it's for me and it's for the show, nothing else. And uh, I don't apologize about it. I just, that's just, you know, what I have to be in order to perform that evening. Oh, I, I don't think so, you should apologize for it. That's, uh, that's, yeah. your, that's your practice and technique, and you're going in front of people who are paying money to see you, and uh, they deserve their dollar, you know, whatever they're paying. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so, yeah, if that's what, um, yeah, if that's so what it takes. it's really just, it's sleeping late, and, you know, it's just... Uh, it's really just taking care of my voice and it's um, doing whatever I need to do to feel um, to feel comfortable and to feel grounded. I also work with um, I love essential oils and I'll, I'll put some of them on my on my uh, my throat and I breathe them in and uh, those are all little little things that I that I like to um, uh, use just to keep me in the moment and grounded as well. Tell us a little bit about working on board uh, ships. What is what is that like? I've never been, I've never actually been on a cruise. Is how is that different, or isn't it? Is it just same same deal? No, it is different. Um, and sometimes I wonder why I do it because <laughs> it, sometimes it could be a little unnerving. Um, first, there's a lot of ele- different elements. I I love it that I get to um, meet people from all over the world. That's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, when I go on, uh, I just I bring on two separate shows. Uh, they don't want a lot. Maybe 50 minute shows, two 50 minute shows. And the most challenging part for me is um, meeting with the musicians uh, the, the, the day of. Uh, you're just hoping you're going to get guys who are great readers. Right. Because uh, I bring my chart. So basically, I don't travel with my musical director. I just go on as, you know, my, with myself. And I have charts for each of the instruments uh, made up. And for the most part, it's, um, it's pretty seamless. Uh, sometimes I have to talk them through at some medleys and things that... Uh, so that part is can be a little challenging, but it's you know never been a train wreck or anything like that. Right. It's just sometimes it's not the ideal rehearsal time that I feel is required to put on like a you know a really beautiful show. And so that part I feel bad about it. They don't really uh, they expect you to come on the ship and just bang out a show. Um, and I do that, and I'm professional, and I'm I'm doing my end of it. But I just wish. It was um, a little more supported where you could um, really meet with the musicians and talk everything through. And then sometimes there's also a language barrier. Um, mm. They're not from, you know, the musicians are uh, not always speaking great English. So right. thank God the music is universal. Uh, so we get through it that way. And they're all nice and wonderful. And, um, you know, everyone has a great attitude. And so I like that part about it. Um, and then there's, you know, the, the days when... Um, I've gone on the ship, and uh, it was really bad sea day where uh, even the cruise director is like, listen, he's like, I'm not even sure how many people are coming to your show tonight because everyone's in their room, like, really sick. <laughs> I'm like, oh, great, you know? So um, uh, he's like, if you need to take your shoes off, you need to sit for the whole show, I really don't care. You know, so well, I've done that, and I, I joke into the audience, you know, the people that did show up, and they, I said, uh, you know, I cut out the roller skating number for this uh, <laughs> for this show. 
No. But one point I remember that it was so bad they had to put sandbags on the uh, uh, piano oh. legs so it wouldn't roll across the stage. Wow. So, I mean, those, but, but, and then other stories are really wonderful where it's, you know, a seamless performance. And, and then I'm like, a, you know, I feel like a celebrity on the ship after I've done my show. I can't go anywhere without people stopping me. I make new friends. And um, I, I still have friends to this day from years ago that I've met just from uh, performing mm-hmm. on the ship. So it's, um, yeah, uh, with all that being said, I still, I love doing it. So, uh, <laughs> so, so the I, food I, is great. <laughs> I work, you know, I love that I don't have to prepare any meals for myself. Everything, right, you right. get fed, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And, uh, and again, you get to see the world. So it is, it is a lot of fun. So I, I love to ask people what kind of, um, performance disasters they've been through and how do you recover from them? What do you do? Have you had something like that happen or is like just things just went wrong and how do you deal with it? Well, um, I do remember early on uh, when I, I, it was actually my first cruise job um, and this is, what was it, in 2011, I think, or maybe 2010. It's going all, it was like a 14-day cruise and again, I only had to bring two shows with me I was going through the Johnny Mathis medley, and it was the first time I was performing it. I had just had it charted for me, so I was new to it. And it was the first time I had to actually talk through a show with musicians without my musical director there. Right. And it it wasn't easy for me. Um, I got through it, but I remember at one point uh, we're doing the Johnny Mathis medley, and they kind of messed up the rhythm that I'm used to. (laughs) So I actually did, I did stop it in mid-performance and asked if, you know, to, you know, start again and try to be as gracious as I could. And, you know, in front of an audience, it's a pretty embarrassing thing to happen, you know, in a live performance. But I said, you know what, I want to give you the full experience of this, so we're going to start again. And we did, and and we got through it. But, you know, things like that. You just, it's, uh, I guess, how you handle it with your audience. Well, I think that's 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 the, the reason why I'm asking the question is how do you handle it with the audience? How do you recover from it? And I think, uh, you know, most r- good seasoned professionals, they just make they make light of it. They work through it. They start yeah. again. I mean, there's a fa- there's the famous incident of um, Adele starting over on the Grammys, where she said, "No, got to get this right," and she started all over again. On the Grammys. That's right, yeah. <laughs> on the Grammys, yeah. So, Can you imagine the nerves on the Grammys. Oh my goodness, that's what I'm. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. If you if you if you're going to start over, the Grammys are not exactly the right place to do that. But she handled it with great grace. Again, that that word grace. I think that's a yeah, an important word. It, yeah, it's true, and it does happen time to time. As a performer, there's you know you're human, and things happen, and right. Uh, there are times that I do, it makes it even funnier. There are times, I remember, not this holiday show, but the, the year before, last year, um, I had one of the songwriters in my audience, uh, Larry Kirshner. I don't know if you know him. Sure. Um, he, yeah, he wrote, uh, I was doing two of his songs in my holiday show, and I started the song, and I'm like, and I went up on the lyrics, I'm like, oh my God, and the, you know, the, uh, the composer is here, and... <laughs> <laughs> and everyone was just cracking up, and then we did it again, and it, and it was, you know, it just made light of it, and it actually, you know, cured my nerves for the rest of the show, so it was fun. Well, once you get you past know. it, you're past it, so, you know, everything else yeah. is downhill from there. <laughs> exactly. If you know what I mean. Exactly. Um, uh, 
so all right, so we're we're coming close to the end of the show here, and I'm just curious in all your experiences, uh, can you tell us beyond what you've already told us, uh, any particular kind of um, a story where something weird or strange or oddball or quirky or just plain funny happened? Well, yeah, I could. Um, aside from doing my own uh, cabaret shows, I um, every now and then I'll go on an audition for um, a production show. Sure. So I got called for this audition for Saturday Night Fever. Yeah. And uh, and actually, uh, it was for a, a production show. It was going to be on um, on a cruise line. And I went in, and I, I, I did the singing part, and I got a call back. And they, and they said, okay, tomorrow we want you to, um, you know, just you know, want to see how you, how you dance. And I said, oh, no, no, no. I said, you don't understand. I don't dance. <laughs> and they're like, oh, don't worry, don't worry. It, you know. It's not about that. We just want to see you move a little bit. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, oh, dear God. I do not dance. So, <laughs> anyway, I come back the next day, and there's a full-blown-out uh, choreography scenario going on where it's three rows of dancers, and they're all in their dancing garb, and I'm, like, wearing I, I, just regular clothes, not dance <laughs> shoes, because I don't own any. And... Um, and the choreographer is Italian, so he's doing all these moves, um, and he has an Italian accent. And um, I'm in the, um, I'm in the back line, and just trying to figure out what what we're doing. So anyway, there were a couple of couple of numbers he's running, and and he's like, "You got it, you got it." And everyone's like, "Yes," and I'm like, "I don't," but I'm just letting them go on. What I didn't realize is that after this whole scenario was over, that I they were taking in two people at a time in front of the panel, in front of the people who were auditioning all the, all the performers. And they had uh, a person in the front and a person in the back. And I was just praying I'd be the person in the back, but that was not the case. I was the person <laughs> in the front. And I was literally making up dance moves. I mean, it was so embarrassing and uh, <laughs> hilarious at the same time. Where the director came to me afterwards, and he's—they believe it or not—they still kept me on. I don't know why, but um, he's like, I said, "Dear God, if you know I ever really make a name for myself, because they videotape everything." I said, "That videotape is going viral. <laughs> I know it." You know, so it was—you know—it's—it's um, it's funny today. It wasn't funny while it was happening, but it was—you uh, know—one of those uh, crazy. Uh, business stories well, that can happen. Well, yeah, it's almost, it's almost like uh, what people talk about in, in really bad dreams where... You know, the, the, it was a bad dream. It you're, really you're was. You're caught like doing something. Perform, bad performance dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so do you have a, a solid piece of advice or a tip for those who may be just starting out and trying to, to get somewhere or those who are in a little bit and trying to get to the next level? Yeah, you know, I would say um, if it's your passion... Don't ever give up. Don't um, just keep keep working at it. Keep seeing um, keep seeing live performance. Find what inspires you to be a, to be the best you can be, and to learn from it, and to keep growing. And uh, just listen to all you can. If, if you're a singer, if you're a dancer, whatever you do, I would say, or an actor, just um, you know, find what your passion is, and just keep. Uh, making it better and one of the things I think also helped me is know know your limitations it's it's important to 
to not have to feel like you have to do everything. Um, but find that the one thing. And if you are great at everything, if you are a triple threat, then, you know, that's amazing and, and go for that. But if you're not, um, just know that you're good enough and knowing what gift you've been given and to make that um, something you want to give to the world and just make that your um, your passion and, and just do it. And, and, and don't dance if you don't have to. Right. <laughs> exactly. I'm a great freestyle dancer. Just don't give me any, any choreography. <laughs> well, I've been speaking for the last uh, almost, not well, about 50 minutes to uh, the tremendously gifted singer, Marianne Maringolo, and it's been a great pleasure to have you on the show today. So I appreciate you stopping by. Oh, thank you so much, Steve, for having me. Really an honor. And so we've come to the end of today's Story Beat. If you like this podcast, please take a moment to give us a comment, rating, or review on whatever app or platform you're listening to. Your support helps us bring more great episodes to you. This podcast would not have been possible without the generous support of the Center for Media Innovation on the campus of Point Park University. Until next time, I'm Steve Cuden, and may all your stories be unforgettable.